Hello, everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host. And with me is my co host and residence office expert, Antoinette. Hi, everyone. Today, we will be discussing the season five premiere, Weight Loss Part One. In this episode, the office gets physical. Angela has many demands for her wedding, and Pam heads to the Big Apple. This entire episode is really just kind of a place-setting episode for the rest of this season. Like we said in the previous episode, there isn't much of a gap between the last episode of Season 4 and the first episode of Season 5, which is something that is different for this series for the most part. There's probably maybe only like a week or two has passed between those two episodes. And also, I'd like to point out, there won't be much of an annex uh, today, so we'll just cover this now. This episode, as it originally aired, was an hour-long premiere, so it was 42 minutes of actual content. So parts one and two ran together, but they are actually two separate episodes, and a lot of the payoff comes in part two. So this is kind of an odd episode. Like As we were sitting there watching it, we are like, oh, okay, this is just a lot of bullet point things that happen that really flow through or center around just an HR initiative. And it's the summer, so we get a flash up. We never really get told specifically what the time frame is unless there's a holiday. But we're told that it's week one and it's June 30th. And the reason they're going by weeks is that There is a weight loss competition being sponsored by corporate. So each branch is competing against the others and the winner gets three extra vacation days. And they really just jump right into this episode. There is no cold open, which is the first time we have seen that since probably early season two. Yeah, I think you're right. And so as Antoinette said, the focus of this episode is structured around this weight loss initiative from corporate. But the check-ins that we get with the competition really kind of serve to show us the development in the relationship between Michael and Holly. That's a really good point. If you'll recall from the season four finale, Michael was pretty much instantly in love with Holly. And Jim's advice to Michael was to take it slow and get to know her. And he's really trying to do that throughout the course of this episode. Michael is very much doing the things that people do whenever they are kind of in that very smitten phase of meeting with someone. Like he is taking every opportunity to talk to Holly, see Holly, be by Holly, just be in her orbit. And so we see them doing weigh-ins and the fir- very first one, everybody gets in position and Michael and Holly are standing right next to each other. And then in the second weigh-in, everybody just kind of gets onto the scale in the warehouse. And Michael's like, no, 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 no. Everybody has to be in the same places because of weight distribution. And we know he's doing this just so he can stand next to Holly. But as you said, he is still struggling with that trying to be friends and taking this to the next level and honestly as a viewer this is this is kind of confusing to me and it doesn't make a ton of sense because it is very clear to us that Holly is into Michael Michael is into Holly 
and they are getting to know each other as people would do as they start feeling out what maybe a rela- uh, could be a relationship with this person. Mm-hmm. But Jim is still very much like, nope, don't do that. Don't don't take the next step because Jim is framing this in the experience he has with Pam where it took eight years or whatever for them to finally move from being really good friends to being in a relationship. Due to the weight loss challenge, Holly teaches a yoga class to the office and Michael is weirdly sweaty after yoga class. Like, I don't think they're doing hot yoga. Michael but. just seems like he could he would be a sweaty guy. <laughs> Steve Carell in general seems like he would maybe be a sweaty guy. Well, we did say one time in the annex that he did sweat a lot, so it had to be very cold on set. So I think that's accurate. And Michael was front row. You know, as soon as they do cat-cow, he's, like, looking right at Holly. And Michael takes that opportunity to tell Jim, like, how much he enjoyed seeing her butt. And then Jim says, okay, that's great, but what else have you learned about her? And we learned that it's kind of a lot. Like, Michael has really gotten to know Holly. She's allergic to sesame seeds. She broke her leg twice in one year. He has picked up these tidbits about her. And like I said, this is why I'm confused because of these very intimate details Mm -hmm. about Holly. And then when he does the Michael thing and is just a weirdo about it, but still is just basically saying, I am physically attracted to this person as well. Jim's like, whoa, 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 we can't go there yet. And he's like, well, why not? And that becomes a problem. Like Holly sees this as a hesitancy for Michael. Yeah. And what tips the scales for her is Jan. Jan's always there to ruin everything. After the yoga class, Oscar offers to fix Holly up with a yoga instructor um, that he goes to in Dixon City. And Holly admits she's not had much success with relationships. And she does make a joke about being a lesbian, which, not great. Oscar's gay. That He thought that was a connection point. He lets it go, but... Not a great look for him. I don't think it was that bad. Oscar plays into it really well. Yeah. And eventually just gets in on the joke himself. Sure. So I think it's fine. So when Holly sees Jan come in and then Michael's massaging her feet, Jan is obviously pregnant. It's just a really weird dynamic. And that pushes her to say to Oscar, you know what? I would like to be set up with your yoga instructor. And I think it's this kind of frustration probably irritation she has this connection with Michael and as we saw in the season four finale she kind of likes him too like he made her feel special on her first day and now it's like well what's going on so it's fair for her to be like I'm not gonna wait for this guy who has this weird thing another layer to that is that Michael apparently has told everybody in the office that he is the father of this child. Except for Holly, I guess. I can't imagine that everyone else would know that and that did not somehow get to Holly. Sure. At, yeah, as Jim points out, Michael led everyone to believe he was the father by saying he was the father. So there's that delusion But also that overriding goal that Michael has that he wants to have a family. And 
whatever way it happens, be damned whether Jan kind of allows it or not. Like, he really is at the mercy of Jan. And unfortunately, she takes advantage of that. Like she took advantage of Michael pretty much throughout their relationship. So that is continuing. So the Scranton office is actually doing pretty well for this weight loss challenge. After their first weigh-in, they lost like like 30-something pounds as a group. 31, yeah. But in the second weigh-in, they gained five of that back, which is pretty common in terms of like trying to lose weight. If you, when you first start really getting into it, you're going to drop weight pretty quickly and then that tapers off. That's why competition stuff like The Biggest Loser doesn't work. And then, and it's unfortunate that's still on the air. This is going to be a real sidetrack here, but that's unfortunate that show's still on the air because they've gone back studies and researchers to look at people that have been on that show and they gained all the weight back because they put them in a really demanding controlled environment hardly let them eat anything they were working out like eight hours a day and that's just not feasible you're going to go back to your regular life yeah so they didn't make it a lifestyle change they just made it like let's see how much weight you can lose in 12 weeks or something and that's not going to work out And so at the height of the biggest loser fame, these challenges at workplaces were actually super common. And I know they still happen, but I think it's more like voluntary participation. This does not seem voluntary. Well, I I feel like the incentive of the three extra vacation days is really what's driving this. Like it's probably is voluntary, but who's not going to try and get those three extra days, I guess. Like, what if you don't need to lose weight? What if you're pregnant? Like, sure. you know. Yeah. And so Michael's reaction to the group gaining five pounds back is a very typical Michael reaction where it is an overreaction. He holds a conference room meeting, basically chiding people for gaining weight, which if you think about it, five pounds between the what? 10 to 12 people that li- that work in that office is barely less than half a pound each. That's like normal fluctuation right. of weight. Like they could have taken that weight earlier in the day and mm-hmm. probably would have been underweight at that point. And so Michael leads this conference meeting off with guessing the number one killer of people in America after Dwight's guess of shotgun weddings and Creed's guess of fright people literally being scared to death (laughs) holly guesses the correct answer which is obesity related diseases and so michael takes the fact that people die because they are overweight and turns that into it is unhealthy to gain weight this is really shown when angela (laughs) says that my doctor wants me to gain weight which yeah probably should because she is a very tiny woman. And Michael says, no, if you gain weight, you will die. <laughs> like, flat out, that is the only conclusion you could draw from that. And what is typical Michael is that, so Kelly was doing a cleanse, like a cayenne pepper, lemon, and maple syrup water sort of thing. And she passed out on the scale on the day that the group gained five pounds. 
So then in Michael's conference room meeting, he says that he and Kelly are the only people to have passed out or almost passed out. Like he's working (laughs) so hard and everyone else is slacking. Jim takes this opportunity for some debauchery and says, well, he pledges to lose 65 pounds. So Michael just says, if everybody else will lose five on top of Jim's 65, they could definitely win the extra vacation days. Michael's kind of reach out to Holly in this situation is that he notes that this is an initiative brought up by HR, which is just a great idea. And this is a very stark contrast from when Toby was there and (laughs) HR was the devil and everything that HR did was terrible. So Michael complimenting HR kind of shows his interest here. The last week of the challenge that we see in part one is week four and the group lost one pound and it's Stanley's birthday. And Stanley typically would choose to have a cheesecake. The party planning committee has a little bit of a different setup since Pam has left, which we'll cover in a bit. Holly steps in to be the third member of the group and Phyllis has become the chair and we'll cover why in a little bit on that as well. And Phyllis taking that very seriously and knowing Stanley pretty well is determined to have Angela go get a cheesecake from the grocery store. Holly suggests, you know, why don't we do fruit since we're doing this this weight loss initiative? Let's see if we can just do that. Michael is kind of irate that Phyllis would suggest cake as well. And Phyllis says, you know, we lost one pound today. I think it's fine to reward ourselves, which is just, it's just funny because they collectively as a group lost one pound. They do end up having a very sad party with fruit and cups of water, but everyone's wearing a party hat and they're listening to a Dolly Parton song. Down in the warehouse, there is a clandestine party happening in which they did end up getting a cheesecake and everyone but Dwight, Holly, Michael, and Ronnie, the new receptionist, were invited. So as those four are spying on the secret party, we learn kind of the consequences of Michael's continuing relationship with Jan. And that is that Holly took Oscar up on his offer to set her up with his yoga instructor. And this comes about when Michael's like, you know what? Fine. We don't get invited to that party. We'll have our own party. Let's go putt-putt. Let's go mini golfing. And Holly's like, ooh, can't really do that. I have a date. And Michael really just doesn't know how to handle that. He pretty much tells her to leave because they're pretty much done. And it's probably more for his benefit than hers that he he can just kind of send her away and not have to see her. And he says, I'm sure you have a great time. Men from Scranton are really great. He'll treat you well. And you can tell he's very hurt. And we do see some fallout in part two from Holly telling him that he has a date. Michael is not the only one having relationship problems at least for him, though, he knows the problem that is happening. Andy is not so lucky. (laughs) Throughout this episode, we see Andy in the process of planning his wedding, and he wants things to go a certain way for one very specific reason. Every little boy fantasizes about his fairy tale wedding. In this episode, Andy is very focused on the venue of the wedding. 
and we first see him go to Angela with his first option, and it is a mansion in Rhode Island, right on the coast, full bore, very, very waspy, very Andy. Very New England. Yes. We, side note, we've actually been to a very lovely wedding at a uh, mansion in Rhode Island, not the same one that Andy mentioned, but it was probably one of the fanciest weddings we will ever attend, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't pretentious because the couple was not at all pretentious, but that location, oh man, it was beautiful. They also had an entire room full of cakes. That was my favorite part. (laughs) For dessert. Oh man, it was uh, it was unlike anything we'd ever seen because we're not cultured like that. I wouldn't say that. We just don't live in New England, right? Where... We don't run around in New England high society circles, right? So Andy is just over the moon about this, as Curtis pointed out. Angela makes it very difficult, just like she makes pretty much everything difficult. And we see her dialing her phone as Andy's talking to her, telling her about the first venue that he's thought of. And it turns out she's paging Dwight. So I don't know if that moment in the office at the end of last episode was her and Dwight's first reconnection, or if that was just the first time like the camera crew had caught them. I would go with that because we don't see any buildup to that whatsoever, which is why this is very confusing to me in the first place, because pre that moment, the last time that we see them together is the job fair episode where they are very just uh, cordial with each other. Yeah. Cordial, like they are, they are just in each other's orbit and that's it. And I don't know if it was the proposal that sort of pushed Angela over the edge on that, but that seems to have set off a reconnection with Dwight. The fallout of Phyllis catching Angela and Dwight having sex in the office at the end of the last episode is that Phyllis is essentially blackmailing Angela so that she can be head of the party planning committee. It does not appear as if Phyllis has told anyone else what she encountered. But the camera crew does appear to follow Angela and Dwight, and they have a spot picked out in the warehouse for their meetups. Now, what really stood out to me is that at the end of their little tryst, Dwight says that they have done good in there, and then Angela says, this is the last time, Dwight, I have a fiancé that I very much like. And I was shocked. I'm like, oh, she actually likes him. She just doesn't want Andy to know that. I see that the other way around where it's, I have a fiance that I very much like and not, I have a fiance that I very much am in love with. I guess that's true. And so as Antoinette points out, this happens throughout the episode. Andy will come to Angela with a new set of venues. In At one point, he brings to her four places with non-refundable deposits that he has already paid for them to have their wedding at, and she rejects all of them. They were very different locales, too. One was like a hot air balloon, one was Epcot, one was underwater, and one was like a Wilkes-Barre haunted house or something. And so each time that Andy comes to her with wedding stuff, she will page Dwight so they can go bang it out because she is so frustrated with this. Until towards the end of the episode where Andy, again, has a venue proposal and Angela rejects it 
Andy is going through the list of demands that Angela has for their wedding venue. And right off the bat, we know it is impossible because it includes a thousand year old church within the United States. And so Angela is getting annoyed and she pages to white and she is getting ready to leave. And as she leaves, Andy grabs her and says, hey, I don't care where we get married. I just want to marry you because I love you. And this finally kind of breaks through Angela's cold, dead heart. And she relents and says, I am sorry I'm making this difficult on you. And she stays at her desk. She does not meet up with Dwight. So Angela's kind of a terrible person here just because she's playing both Andy and Dwight. Lastly, we get a check-in with Jim and Pam. And Jim explains that he has not actually proposed yet. If you'll recall, he was going to propose at Toby's goodbye party, but Andy beat him to the punch. And he says that he and Pam talked about it. And since she is going to New York City for three months, they decided that they just didn't want to spend the first three months of their engagement apart. And that Pam does not want a long engagement anyways because of the extremely long engagement she had with Roy. We see things go not so great for Pam right away when she goes into the wrong lecture hall. And when she tries to leave, the teacher essentially just berates her into staying in the class, which says a lot about Pam at this point in her life where she's just, she gets steamrolled all the time. And all she had to say is after the teacher was like, sit down. She goes, no, I'm in the wrong class. I'm going to go to my correct class and just leave. She's going to sit there for an hour and have no idea because it seems like a continuing course. I'm a little confused at the setup for this. So this is a three-month design program at the Pratt Institute, but Pam is an RA. Like, she lives in a dorm. It does not seem to be only a three-month program. It does seem like Pam is getting the full college experience. That's a good point. I don't know if it, what sort of, if I assume for three months it's like a certification program, but perhaps this is something that actually could lead to like a BA in graphic design. It's kind of confusing. Whereas I would have thought that she would have gone and gotten her own apartment. I mean, this is obviously going to be cheaper being the RA. She probably gets free housing. It just doesn't make sense that they would have a three-month RA. Anyways, we do see Jim go and visit her in her dorm, probably maybe a week or two after she's been there. We also see them communicate via video chat while Jim's at work. Right. This is just, I'm sorry, I know you like this stuff, but this is just one of the many things that happen in this season where it's just like sickly sweet the stuff that they try and put in like no jim pam you don't need to video chat while jim's at work you can just call you can just talk on the phone that's fine or Or wait until the end of the day and just catch up with each other at the end of the day exactly like normal people would have to do later this season you don't need a mini bluetooth to go in your ear so you can just talk to each other literally all day that doesn't need to happen be grown-ups and and that's just part like that's just one of the things that they throw in this show that's completely unbelievable 
and would not happen ever in real life. Be grown-ups in G-chat or text all day like Curtis and I do. <laughs> and of course, while Jim is having this video chat, Michael hijacks the chat, takes the computer, and is just moving Pam throughout the office as if she didn't know what everything looked like there. We also see later in the episode when Jim is visiting Pam that some girl showed up to Pam's room as the RA and brought to her an argument between her and her roommate about stolen soy milk. And so Jim kind of got banished to the floor common area to watch TV. And so you can kind of already see the issues that will arise with Jim and Pam being in a somewhat long distance relationship. Yeah, I haven't done a long distance thing and the fact that it has a definitive end date, I think helps. I know people that did long distance like the entirety of college or for, you know, a couple of years, which would be quite difficult, I imagine. But this was also somewhat of an easy drive. They said like two, two and a half hours from Scranton to New York. So that's not terrible. I mean, when you're a plane ride away indefinitely, I think that's a much harder uh, relationship to manage. And so that pretty much does it for this episode. As we said, just a very much a place setting episode, resetting everything to get us ready for the rest of this season. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode. So one fun fact I forgot to mention last episode with the introduction of Holly is that Amy Ryan really relished taking on that role because she'd mostly had serious roles up to that point. Uh, if anyone's seen The Wire, she is Beatty in starting in season two, but she has a role on that show that's pretty serious. And then she had just been, I believe, nominated for an Oscar for Gone Baby Gone, which was the Ben Affleck uh, Boston set type of movie and I guess she played a pretty serious role there so she really enjoyed being able to take on the role of Holly to show a different side of her acting it was weird when we watched The Wire yeah and then all of a sudden Holly shows up in the middle right because that's all Wait, I knew what? her from yeah the only other thing for the annex today is that there's a bit of foreshadowing actually in this premiere episode of what will happen at the end of the season when Michael is talking to Jim as he's leaving to visit Pam in New York. And that is all I'll say about that for now. Curtis, who got fired this episode? We lose Angela and Dwight in this episode for the same reason we lost them in the previous episode, and that is for having sex in the office. I would say we probably also lose Angela for just berating Kevin out in the open. That's true. And this is where uh, the facade that Dwight had created through his hazing that Kevin has a mental disability is broken for Holly. And this is the only time that it's really addressed. But Holly comes to Kevin's defense as Angela is just berating him about a mistake he made with a spreadsheet. And Holly says... You know he's not stupid he's mentally challenged and everyone just kind of comes to a hush because she's saying this in the middle of the open floor plan and nothing really else comes of it besides a lot of embarrassment for holly and then kevin realizing that the only reason she was so nice to him was that 
she thought he had this disability. As problematic as this is, it does create one of my favorite moments of The Office and something that just kind of goes through my head on occasion is when earlier in the episode they were standing on the scale for the first time (laughs) and they are getting ready to weigh in and Daryl says the number uh, of their total weight and then Dwight points out that Pam is on the scale and that she will not be included in the further weigh-ins and so they make her get off and then Daryl rereads the collective weight and you can see everyone trying to do the math in their head to find out how much Pam weighs. And Kevin throws out a number that is completely off. 226. And Holly's like, oh, that was close though, Kevin. Math is hard. And she just goes, math is hard. And Kevin just shakes his head. And so anytime like somebody just messes something up mathematically wise, I just think of, oh, math is hard. (laughs) Curtis, do you have a Dundee to give out? I do. The most dedicated award goes to Kelly, who in this episode, we learn that, as you said earlier, she is on a cayenne pepper, maple syrup, water, lemon juice cleanse. And she also took a tapeworm that was given to her by Creed that will, according to her, eat all the food that she eats And so she'll lose a ton of weight. And then in three weeks, she just takes another pill and it passes. (laughs) And Kelly is definitely the type of person that would get in on fad diets. Yeah. Considering how much of the internet and pop culture that she takes in. In Creed, and and pretty much his only line of the episode is just like, it's not a tapeworm. What is your Dundee? My Dundee is... The person with the most willpower, and that goes to Michael. In a one-on-one after his conference room meeting, Michael describes how much willpower he has and his frustration with the rest of the office for not being able to lose more weight. And we'll let him say it best. What is wrong with these people? They have no willpower. I went, I once went 28 years without having sex and then again for seven years i know that this is one of your favorite lines of the show it's just so funny because he had nothing to do with those those huge positives right yes he was he was not being celibate like he was he was not keeping himself from having sex he just didn't have the opportunity right who is your employee of the month I chose Michael uh, just because he is really killing it with Holly, like Jim said. And as Jim points out, it's because Holly's also a nerd. So he's found someone that just gets his humor, that also just likes weird stuff like he does. But he's got to get over sabotaging it with Jan. Who is your employee of the month? I chose Stanley because at the end it's his birthday. So happy birthday, Stanley. But also it is shown throughout the episode that Stanley is doing things on his own for this weight loss challenge and that he is kind of doing this for himself rather than the challenge itself. He takes the stairs instead of going up the elevator. 
he is seen lifting a ream of paper with his legs while he's just sitting at his desk doing work. And then he also states that he doesn't like cake anymore because he's not allowed to eat it. He likes baklava, which baklava isn't exactly healthier than cake. No, it has a ton of sugar and butter. I don't think it has that much sugar in it. It has honey. It's a lot of honey, but it does have a ton of butter because it is a flaky pastry. So yes, uh, not exactly the more healthy alternative there. Sure. So that pretty much does it for this week's episode. Please follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And keep listening to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you can in order to get our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for joining us for a new season, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.